0: Like, everything? Everything? Um, that's pretty vague. Honestly,
1: I may not have all the answers you're looking for.
2: I'll also share what I know, if
3: that would be helpful. Uh, right. Charles? You ever have a million questions, but the moment someone asks you to share them, the questions just vanish? No.
0: Not really. Most people just interrupt me and I never get to ask them all.
3: Is that similar to when you're on a date and you
2: ask someone about themselves and it's like they forgot everything they do or are interested in?
1: Maybe? Tell you what. Let's start with the basics. Let them sink in and we can go from there. Right. The city. What is it? He did say the basics, Charles. The city. No one knows how it started or if it simply has always been. A constant gray skyline with distant buildings that seem familiar, yet change shape and location each day. Rain is almost as common as the creatures and the monsters that infest every darkened corner. The city is a paradox. Things, people, places, and time have no real bearing here. We're adrift at sea, with a storm ever looming on the horizon, but only a few of us can see it. A curse. More than it is a blessing.
3: (sighs) Meaning what, exactly?
1: The cityscape changes,
2: monsters exist, keeping track of time and space is touch and go at best, and most people never realize it or see it. When they do, though, it's normally far too late. Ah.
1: I understand. You understand, huh? Ugh. What part of paradox don't you get? Understanding isn't something that's fully possible in this city.
0: It's more like... accepting...
2: Hmm, quite so. Logic and reason will only get you so far, I'm afraid. Sometimes, yes, a pear tree
3: is a pear tree, but other times... Wait, that file was real? Don't, don't even mention that damn thing. Uh, right. But, wait, hold on. That can't be just it. I mean, fine, let's say I accept this. Psychological trauma still exists. Uh, more so, if this is all true. How can you tell the difference between a uh, delusion and reality? Does it matter? Yes. That would be a question for Dr. Olin. He always seemed to be able to weed out the normal from the special cases. Dr. Olin? What was his role in all this? At the station, they practically gave us a free pass as soon as his name was dropped. Yeah, his name seems to do that.
0: That has helped a lot of people, and a lot of people are thankful.
1: Helped. Yeah, I I guess he has.
3: That's not the only reason his name carries weight. Truly shocking. I guess having a personal prison can be good leverage, too.
0: Prison? No, it's not like that. Dad helps people.
3: Uh, right. The police. They could alter memory. They seem to be able to uh, mimic or uh, recreate our voices. Well, my voice. It was only one word, but- I see where you're going
1: with this. No. I couldn't tell you how they do it. No, I can't manipulate memory. I lost that when I left the Force. Yes, I can also mimic voices. No, I won't show you. It's not a party trick.
0: Ugh, come on! You did it all the time when I was growing up!
2: And not to mention when you read your files, I knew you couldn't be that good. Ugh, fine.
0: Look, I'm Eli. I own every color of pen for some reason. Did I ever mention that I can't focus on anything for... Oh, hey, look, a marble. Hey!
2: <laughs> that is quite Wait, good. Wait,
0: no, go back to the marble.
2: Hmm, yes, indeed. Fascinating. Am I British? Where does my accent come from? Oh, never mind. Have I mentioned I have incredible taste? Almost as incredible
3: as my ability to judge others. Aw, you think I have incredible taste? Taste? That's not important. We have work to do. Remember that lunch starts at 4, not 3.56. Also, I buy cheese snacks by the pound, but I get upset whenever someone even- All right, I get it. Anyone else have any weird abilities?
0: Um, yeah, so don't freak out, but-
3: Of course. Why wouldn't the kid with ADHD have electricity powers?
0: I call it spark mode. Wait, ADHD?
3: Uh, All right, fine, let's get it over with. Show me yours. Charles? So forward. At the office, no less. Not what I- (sighs) Supernatural ability.
2: Do you have one? Aside from my incredible taste, you mean? Can't say I have one. However, growing up in the city, I've learned a thing or two about survival. I was aware of the city's nature from a young age. Why does that matter? Oh, right. That's important. Allow me, Mr. Gray. H. Gray. Most people go about their lives in the city, never really questioning anything around them. Sure, they know of things like New York, popular shows, or even world politics. Yet their mind will do an entire gymnastic routine to avoid the obvious. Where are they? How come they never left? Isn't it strange that the flower shop yesterday is a hibachi house today? Largely, it never matters. One could go their entire lives in the city and lead a relatively normal one. I would guess it's true for the monsters here as well. They lurk, hunt, and do the typical normal monster things. However, they, too, could go their entire life and never interact with a normal person. Although...
0: Sometimes, their paths cross. Quite
2: right. That's when you get well. You've read the files. When one encounters the other, usually by what would seem to be a complete accident, it's like a switch is flipped. The normal becomes aware of the supernatural. Inversely, the supernatural... ...becomes aware of the normal. Which can be, and often is, dangerous. Think of... oh, what was his name? David... Stunter? Never mind. Point is, the creature noticed him after that car crash, and if you recall, that did not end well.
1: (sighs) Okay then, let's get to work. Get to work? What? You're
3: taking this quite well, Charles.
0: See? It's not that big of a deal. I told you you would get
3: it. Are you sure you don't need a day off? Day off? Oh, no. We're not reading a file. At least, not here. Okay. Now I'm lost. I'm not completely sold on the idea that we all aren't just sharing a delusion. However, for now... Except... not understand. So, if this is all true, then I have a big red bullseye in my back now, right? Correct. Uh, fresh meat, as it were. Then we are leaving. I'm sorry, what, Charles? Why would we- We literally have an infinite hall of prison cells on our floor. And who knows what else. What if I move a lamp by accident and suddenly we are, I don't know, falling through an endless void? Don't be ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that would be silly. It's not like you broke a vase.
2: Hmm, yes. I did that once. Odd experience.
0: You, too? I ended up in this weird mirror place? Where
2: everyone was walking on their hands?
0: Yes!
3: <laughs> Quite hilarious. That's exactly my point. I, I don't know anything about how the city operates yet. Not to mention that shadow um, creature. Um, Dr. Olin couldn't contain it. What if it shows up one day for a, a session? That was years ago. Eli was 11 when that recording was made. Was he ever able to put it away? I... I don't know. Ola never told me about him. Exactly. I I don't feel safe here. And I have valid reasons, don't I? Tell me I'm safe in this office, and I'll stay. I can't. What I can tell you is
1: that this office, despite its dangers, is still one of the safest
3: places in the city. Uh, Not good enough. I need to feel safe. Otherwise, I... I will fall apart. Charles, it's it's alright. We don't have to stay
2: here. Plus, I've always thought this job could be more of a work-from-home gig anyway.
0: We can go to my house!
1: That could work. Olin would have definitely installed something
3: to make it safer. No, absolutely not. I I get what he means to you two, but just, no. Alright, then where? Um, my apartment. It's close by, uh, but it's a bit small.
2: Absolutely not. I am not going to be cramped up in a small one-bedroom with a teenager and ex-cop that reeks of alcohol and you. Don't look at me. I sleep here in my office. Fine. My place it is, then. It most certainly has more space than whatever box Charles calls a home. Donahue, are you sure if it's No, no. It's the best option. Let me help you pack things up here. I'll drive. Thanks. I appreciate
3: it. Oh, Oh, Jesus! Already? I just learned of the city. Calm down. He is a friend. Hi, Greg. Greg, uh, I'm the janitor. Of course. Why not? A demon for a janitor? Yeah, that um, that makes total sense. The time? Uh, kinda.
1: Talbot wants to move the office. Huh? He can do that. Where is the building moving to? <laughs> no, no, not like that. He doesn't feel safe here. Safe. Right? A demon. No, right, Charles. Just
2: breathe no idea.
1: Look, buddy, I just want to make sure he doesn't snap. Well, more than he has already. Anyway, I might not be back for a few weeks. Not a problem. I watch holes and keep your office clean. Clean? That'd be a first. You're right. I'll leave the messy. After the stalwart is okay, are we still on for board games? You bet. Wednesday as usual. If you're moving,
3: do you want me to help you pack? I'm on break. Why not? Sure, just an average, everyday demon helping us move. No big deal. Absolutely normal. Is he a racist?
0: Are we there yet?
2: Not yet, little one. We have anywhere between thirty minutes to an hour. What? Is traffic bad or something? Well, yes, sometimes, but Main Street often is a giant hole, so we may have to take
1: the long way. Avoid 97th. This time of year it's covered in ash that screams your darkest fears. Can we get tacos on the way? Why
0: would I take 97th? Again, Mr. Mr. Hey, Talbot. Mr. Talbot? You okay? You look kind of pale. Is that
1: a no wild tacos?
0: Mr. Talbot? Work? Work? Yeah, we could do um uh, some spreadsheets.
3: What? Or or we could read a file.
0: No, that's stupid. I'm sorry. You no, know, you're probably way over this kind of. No,
3: uh, no, that might actually help.
0: Okay, I can read it uh, unless you want to.
3: Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, I'll take notes. I need to work on creating a new categorizing system that accounts uh, for. I just need to create a whole new system.
0: Awesome! Let's see... Um, this one. You ready, Mr. Talbot?
3: Whenever you are.
0: Okay. Mm. Okay, patient name Cameron Daly. Oh, uh, transcript as follows.
4: It's not every day that someone gets to witness the ocean. The blue water, clearer than anything you'd ever see, and the sun gleaming off the ripples and waves is a wonder in its own right. It's truly a sight to see. I was never a person who sought out adventure, nor was I someone who'd ever expect to set out from their area of comfort. I guess it's sort of right to say that the ocean wasn't for me, but I still don't know why I agreed to go on this trip in the first place. You know, it was probably the fact I could see the water. Sure, I could have seen it from a TV, but the real thing is much nicer up close. I hope to have the water splash on my feet. I hope to feel that cold rush between my toes. So, when my girlfriend asked if I wanted to go on a romantic boat ride, I didn't know what to think at first. She kept bringing home these catalogs to places that we could visit. She insisted on a cruise, but I… I didn't want that. We already live close enough to the ocean, probably about an hour away. And I really didn't want to visit any new countries, so I wanted to experience that ocean feeling close to home. Then she brought it out. An advertisement for a wine tasting boat. Okay, it wasn't the water. I am a sucker for wine. It's no surprise to me that she would attempt to bribe me like that. Well, it worked, and we were planning for a couple evenings just off the coastline on a large boat that served alcohol the entire time. It was an interesting concept, and I've never heard of something like that before. They probably had those things in maybe California or Florida, but here? That was shocking. In the advertisement, the boat looked much smaller than a cruise liner, but it had these bedrooms, a pool, and so many bars. It even had a fancy dining experience, which I can tell you that my girlfriend was really on board for. She was relentless in asking about this. Oh, my girlfriend? Yeah, I met Avery about 17 years ago. And yeah, I guess that is kind of long to just be dating. I was planning on asking her to marry me after the boat ride, but I, and I'll tell you why the end of that happened. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. We spent about a month preparing activities on their website, and we were set on a three-day vacation. We decided our dinners, our drinks, and our activities like karaoke and trivia. Not the greatest activities, but we just chose from a list. The website said to plan accordingly when we purchased our entry tickets. You know, we planned well. We had maybe enough for five to seven days of clothing and supplies. Yeah, I know I said a three-day trip, but who knows what could happen. My girlfriend loved to dress for multiple occasions on the same occasion, if that makes any sense. Anyways, the drive was killer. We tried to look for a map or something to help us, but Avery said she had family out that way so she'd guide us. Big mistake. The argument lasted the entire trip there. I ended up taking my car down several off-ramps, and I'm just surprised we even got to the docks to begin with. Our argument stopped when we saw the boat stirring in the water and I saw her eyes light up. We waited for little over an hour in the car. We arrived earlier than expected since we left so early. We had a bunch of time to settle that argument, and the fact that we did meant we were off to an amazing start to our vacation. Hell, this was the first vacation with someone I thought to be the love of my life. I quickly hopped out of the car, grabbed our bags, romantically held out my hand for her. Uh, That was my form of an apology, by the way. And we started making our way down to the dock. As we got to the massive ramp leading up to the boat, there was a well-dressed man there. He had a clean, white outfit with a blue tie and a sailor's hat. He checked our tickets, had us store our bags to the side after tagging them, and we made our way onto the boat. I remember the feeling as if it were yesterday. We were met with these brilliant lights shining off a massive chandelier in the entryway. Velvet carpet beneath our feet. And so many servers in clean white outfits were speedily walking around with those curved drink glasses on trays. It felt like I was a kid in a theme park. But this was adult land. Well, adult boat? Yeah, you get it. I motioned towards the drinks, and Avery gave me one of her award-winning smiles. You know, a smile that can give someone permission to do almost anything? Well, I didn't wait to snatch up some of the drinks from the wandering servers. I grabbed two pink-colored drinks from the server. I think he called them Mai Tais? I didn't know at the time, really. I just turned drinking age the year prior. Avery was keen on it too, but she has been drinking since she was 16, so it didn't really matter to her. The drink was euphoric. I hadn't tasted anything better in my life, and I told Avery that I think I'm gonna really have a great time here. We spent the next few hours getting settled into our room, Drinking the many different drinks and exploring the ship. Thinking about bedrooms, there must have been at least a hundred of them on the boat. The rooms were a bit small, but they were enough for two people. They even had a small bathroom with a shower just tucked away on the side. Anyways, just like the advertisement showed, the boat wasn't too big, but it was still a lot. There were two dining rooms, a massive pool on the upper deck, about four rooms dedicated to games and activities, and about six different bars. The pool also had a bar. I I should mention that. The bars had different themes, like there was a murder mystery bar, there was a karaoke bar, and there was even a bar and grill. Those were great, yeah, but the place I wanted to go first? The wine bar. So after exploring, we went to that wine bar and we spent Hours. There. I don't... know... how long we were at the bar. You know, the best part of all this was the free alcohol. I mean, it should be for what we paid. Once the boat closed the massive door at the entrance, the lights from the large chandelier could be seen throughout the entire main floor. It was like a giant hallway separated by dining halls at the end of the hallway and different rooms aligned the walls. That night, we went back to the room and changed into our evening clothes. She chose for me a gray striped button-up shirt, slacks, and a black blazer. She wore a blue sparkly dress that dazzled like the stars themselves. She chose these black stilettos, and she towered over me. I led Avery to the dining hall, and from there, we were led by another white, clean-suit gentleman to our table. You know, I could swear that it was the same man who led us on the boat, but my eyes were too dialed in on Avery looking around the dining hall. Her smile, Doc. It was my world. We got to our table, and a small basket of bread was waiting for us. The bread was some of the sweetest bread I've ever had and the spread of butter and jam was to die for. We ate that bread for a good while before our meal came. It was exactly like we ordered on the website. I ordered a prime steak with a baked potato, and Avery ordered a grilled salmon with sauteed zucchini on the side. The food felt so invigorating, and we both shared a few moments of silence as we ate. It was just so delicious that we couldn't speak. As I finished my meal, I looked up to see the room enjoying the food all the same. Happy people eating good food. I remember reaching out to hold Avery's hand, but as soon as dessert was put on our table, our hands went to that instead. We both ordered a creme brulee. And, okay, look, the boat's food was amazing, probably better than you'd ever have. I certainly haven't tasted anything like it since I got off the boat, and honestly, it's upsetting. After eating, we decided to go back to the wine bar. Time seemed to stop for us when we were at the bar, and each new glass was a new toast for the both of us. The new job I got five months ago? Cheers. Avery's 21st birthday? Cheers. A celebration to our first year of eating? Cheers. That night, I don't remember too much. I vaguely remember showering her with many compliments, as she kept telling me her plans for college, a potential career, maybe getting a cat or a dog. Each new idea she had, we toasted, we drank, and we let the night slip away. I woke up the next morning in the room, on the bed. Avery was already awake trying to decide between two different shirts. A pink flowery top, or a navy blue t-shirt that read City Girl. She asked me, and I told her that she looked lovely in both. She rolled her eyes at me, but shot me one of those wonderful smiles. She chose the flowery top. She was wearing a bikini as well, a light blue two-piece that looked really good on her. She told me that we were going to the pool bar today, and my clothes were already laid out for me. She said she chose them at random, so a bright red t-shirt and blue swim trunks it was. She always did these cute random things. It was actually on a whim that she chose to move in with me after only three months of dating. I was very hesitant, I assure you, but I was too smitten to say no. We had a small breakfast at the bar and grill. She grabbed two plates of French toast, and we ate in heightened anticipation. The plates were taken by more waiters in those clean white suits, and then she led me away by the hand from the table. We went up to the upper deck, and I'm sure I got some weird looks. I didn't care too much, though. They weren't her. The sun was high in the sky, the pool water and seawater were crystal clear, and the city was way far off. Not even a glimpse of the skyscrapers. She led me into the pool's shallow water, and it seemed like a lot of people had the same idea. The bar in the center of the pool was packed. People were waiting in the water with drinks in hand. Two spots of the bar opened up for us as we walked closer. Avery was overjoyed with the coincidence. I was happy to order another one of those Mai Tais. It's funny. I've been in a pool before, but the pool felt different. Almost like a liquid silk blanket. But it felt welcoming and comforting. Sitting next to Avery with a good drink in my hand, I felt like I was in heaven. Occasionally, The bartender with a clean white suit would walk by in that inner part of the pool bar to give us new drinks. I didn't even need to let him know what we wanted. It was as if he could read my mind and the drinks kept coming. He simply nodded as I thanked him before he disappeared to another patron. In a somewhat Avery-like manner, Avery kept introducing herself to the people sitting around us, and she implored me to do the same. I say implored, but she just kept introducing me. Cute, random interactions. But I didn't like meeting new people. In the presence of my girlfriend, I wanted to save face and not embarrass her. So I said hello to exactly 22 people. And that's when I met Danny. He was a man in his upper 40s, and he had a massive love for gambling. To quote him, he said that he was a lone card shark that he always had the best luck when he was on his own. He told us all about how he would journey down to the casino in the lower deck after he was done here. That struck me funny. I didn't remember reading about a casino on the website. I figured he was drunk, so I shoved it off. Danny and I hit it off with our conversation. We were both number junkies, and he was just hired at a different firm than what I was just hired into. He claimed that his love for numbers made him a pro at gambling, and his biggest thrills were when he was risking it all. Danny and I talked for a little while longer before Avery asked me to get some snacks back on the main floor. We said goodbye to Danny before heading down to our room. Avery insisted that we change, and I agreed. We were just in a pool, after all. So now I am wearing a black t-shirt with a small hole in the armpit and light blue jeans and she is wearing a nice yellow sundress, complete with a silver necklace and a pair of circle sunglasses. We tried the karaoke bar next. There were exactly 40 people there. I remember counting them while waiting for my turn to sing that one love song by Elvis that everyone knows. Everyone sang along too, and I saw Avery roll her eyes and smile every time that I motioned to her during the song. Avery, on the other hand sang her heart out. Her voice was sweet like nectar. And I got to hear her sing tunes in the car pretty often, so I considered myself a lucky guy. She never did have a favorite band. It's not like she couldn't choose. Instead, she just kept choosing a new one. So her repertoire for music was pretty big. She sang Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. When I asked her why she chose it, she told me that she just felt like it. After karaoke, we went to trivia. The questions there were all over the place. You know the questions where no one should know the answer, but somehow it still ends up on a flashcard? Yeah, I got none of those right. We tried her hand at science, music, history, and we even tried English literature. Again, we got none of those right. After that, Avery said that our dinner time was approaching, so we went back to the room, changed again, and went to dinner. I got the same dish as the night previous, but Avery asked to change it up. She wanted to have herb crusted chicken with a cob salad topped with lemon vinaigrette. We ate in blissful silence. And oh, oh, the dessert. We both had cannolis with shredded white chocolate on top. Simply delicious. After that, we went to the wine bar for a few hours, listened to some smooth jazz there, got a final Mai Tai for the both of us, and that ended our penultimate day on the boat. I woke up the next morning in the room, on the bed. Avery was already awake trying to decide between two different shirts, a pink flowery top, or a navy blue t-shirt that read City Girl. She asked me, and I told her that she looked lovely in both. I also asked if she had worn those before, But she rolled her eyes at me and shot me one of those wonderful smiles. She chose the City Girl t-shirt. She was wearing a bikini as well. A light blue two-piece. She told me that we were going to the pool bar today, and my clothes were already laid out for me. She said she chose them with my personality in mind. So a math expert gray t-shirt and a blue pair of swim trunks it was. We had a small breakfast at the bar and grill. She grabbed two plates of different foods french toast for me and a plate of waffles for her we ate in heightened anticipation the plates were taken by more waiters in those clean white suits and then she asked if we were ready to go to the pool i said yes and we went up to the upper deck the sun was high in the sky pool water and seawater were crystal clear and the city was way far off not a glimpse of the skyscrapers. We walked together into the pool's shallow water, and it seemed like there had been some people who had the same idea. The bar in the center of the pool had a few openings, but nothing too scarce for us to be stranded in the water. Avery was overjoyed with that. I was happy to order another one of those Mai Tais. It's funny. I've been in a pool before, and I love the feeling of being in a pool. It's so relaxing. Sitting next to Avery with a good drink in my hand, I felt as if my world came to a stop, as I sipped away on that drink. Occasionally, the bartender with a clean white suit would walk by in that inner part of the pool to give us new drinks. I didn't even need to let him know I was done with my drink. It was as if he could read my mind and the drinks kept coming. He simply nodded as I thanked him before he disappeared to another patron. In a somewhat Avery-like manner, Avery introduced herself to the people sitting around her, and she implored me to do the same. I say implored, but she just kept introducing me. I couldn't blame her awkwardness on some of them. They were very cute, random interactions, but I didn't like meeting new people. In the presence of my girlfriend, I wanted to save face and not embarrass her. So I said hello to exactly seven people. And that's when I met Danny. He was a man in his upper 40s, and he had a massive love for gambling. I told him he should visit the casino in the Lower Decks, and he says he was already going to do that later. He and I had a great conversation. I told him that I was pretty good with numbers too, and he was surprised to see that I read him so easily. It surprised me too, since I don't feel comfortable around anyone I just met. He said he could use a gambling buddy, but I told him that I wanted to stay with Avery. He said that if I changed my mind, he'd be in his room until 7 p.m. Room 24. We did a minor toast to his luck before heading out since Avery wanted to get a snack. I told him not to risk it all, and he said, Not on your life. What a funny guy. Avery wanted to head straight for the snacks, but I asked her if she wanted the change first. She thought about it before agreeing. So now, I am in a bright red t-shirt and light blue jeans and she is wearing that city girl t-shirt again with a pair of mom jeans nothing too special we tried the karaoke bar next there were exactly 20 people there i remember counting them while waiting my turn to sing that one love song by elvis that everyone knows everyone sang along too and i saw avery watch me with one of those smiles she always gave me all while sipping away on a Mai Tai. I tried to focus on getting the notes just right. Mavery, on the other hand, sang her heart out. Her voice was so beautiful to listen to, and I got to hear her sing tunes in the car every now and then, so I knew these people were in for a treat. She sang Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. When I asked her why she chose it, she told me that it was her favorite song. After karaoke, we went to trivia. The questions were all over the place, but I was on the top of my game. You know those questions where no one should know the answer, yet somehow it still ends up on a flashcard? Yeah, I got all of them right. I didn't even know the answers. They just came to me. We were on top of science, music, history, and even English literature. We came in first place. After that, Avery said... Our dinner time was approaching, so we went to the dining hall right away. I got the same dishes I had the previous night, and so did Avery. A prime steak with a baked potato and grilled salmon with sautéed zucchini on the side. Don't get me wrong, the food wasn't bad. It, it just wasn't as good as the first time. It was like something I've tasted too much. I should've got something different. Even the creme brulee was off. It tasted bland and unoriginal. After dinner, Avery asked if I wanted to do anything else. And I said I'd like to just go to the wine bar. Then a thought came to my head. A thought came to my head just then. Danny. I asked Avery if we could invite Danny to a couple drinks. He probably had a rough time at the casino, so it might be getting a load off. She looked nervous. But I assured her that I'd be right back. I turned around and almost ran into one of the servers, who almost tipped a drink tray of those Mai Tais over. The server looked at me with a blank stare, and he tried to offer me one of the drinks. I declined, as I said I'd be drinking plenty soon. He seemed insistent, but I walked away towards the room anyways. As I reached the hallway with the rooms, I looked around for room 24. I arrived, I knocked on the door loudly, and called Danny's name. He didn't answer, so I knocked a bit harder. The door slowly opened in front of me, and I I almost threw up. No, I think I did. Danny was there, hanging from a beam, and a towel was wrapped tightly around his neck. I, I, I tried to turn away from Danny, but my eyes couldn't move from his body. I then felt a hand on my shoulder, and it was one of the servers. He was trying to escort me out of the room while another attempted to give me a Mai Tai to calm my nerves. I... I didn't need a Mai Tai right now. I need to get back to Avery. More servers showed up and I was surrounded. I began fighting my way through them like I was fighting an ocean. And I kept getting pushed back until my back touched the ground. I... I began to scream. And then everything went dark. I woke up the next morning in the room on the bed Avery was already awake trying to decide between two different shirts a pink flowery top or a navy blue t-shirt that said city girl she asked me to get ready for the pool and told me to check through what I wanted to wear I didn't move but I looked back at her with a face of shock I asked her how I got back to the room did the servers bring me back she rolled her eyes at me but shot me one of those usual smiles. She said that we came back after drinking wine and talking about our future. I told her that was two nights ago. She laughed nervously. She asked me if I was seasick or something. I told her that we went to the pool, met a guy named Danny, and I found him dead last night in his room. She shook her head and continued to get dressed. She chose neither shirt and decided to wear a white tank top from her bag. The words that came out of her mouth next, I... I... I didn't believe them. We had not gone to the pool yet. We're going there today. I looked at what she was wearing, and she was wearing a bikini as well. A light blue two-piece. Exactly like yesterday. She said that I should get dressed and check the pool out with her. She suggested that maybe I could find this Danny guy there. I got a thought. I'd just check his room real fast. It's just down the same hallway. Our room was number 16, so it would be six rooms down. I got dressed real quickly. I put on a white t-shirt and my black pair of swim trunks. I told her that I was going to get towels and to meet me at the bar and grill. I ran out into the hallway and turned right. I, I almost ran into a wall. Our room was the last in the hallway. There were no rooms past the 16th. I made a quick turn back the other way, and I would have walked off without her if she didn't clear her throat from the doorway behind me. She began to look worried and asked me if I was okay. I didn't know what to say, but a server in a clean white suit that was down the hall raised his hand at me, and his other hand was a tray of my ties. He asked me if I wanted one to start my day off, and I waved him away. I turned to Avery with a deep breath. I must have dreamt it, I told her. We went to the bar and grill, or at least we would have. I became more skeptical as we entered the main floor. There was only a single dining hall on the far side of the boat, and a side room that was set up for karaoke. Behind me there was a stairwell that led to the upper deck with the pool. I I was stunned. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. This was an entirely different boat, and Avery began to worry more and more. She called over a server, and he looked exactly like the one who waved me down in the hallway. Now that I think about it, he looked just like the guy that took our bags at the ramp to the boat. The server attempted to hand me a Mai Tai, but I pushed it away from me. It fell to the floor as I ran to the deck. The sun was high in the sky. The pool water and seawater were crystal clear and I found myself staring back at the city. I saw multiple skyscrapers in the distance and I even saw where I parked my car. We haven't even departed from the dock. I felt a hand on my shoulder and I spun around manically to see Avery's widened and tear-filled eyes looking up at me. I am not a crying man. But I instantly broke down. I fell to my knees and begged to be taken off the boat. I say begged, but I pleaded like my life depended on it. I attempted to jump off the boat, right then and there, right off the railing towards the mainland. But I felt the strong grasp of two massive hands on my shoulders next. And in the next moment feel my consciousness fade to black. When I woke up, I wasn't on the boat. The sound of an alarm went off beside me. Avery was already awake. She was in the closet, trying to decide between two different shirts, a navy blue dress and a white dress shirt. However, something was off. The sun was shining through the window on the far side, and as I kept looking around the room, I grew more and more terrified. I didn't know this room. I didn't know where I was. I asked Avery where I was, and she said that I was at home, and I'd better get ready for work soon. I asked her if we're still on the boat, and then I heard her laugh and call me silly. That's when she turned around to face me, and I felt blood rush from my face as she answered me. I'd been talking with her mother instead. I immediately apologized and said that I mistook her for her daughter. An angry glance shot back at me, and my eyes widened further, as, as I didn't get that mistaken. That was Avery. I began to scream as I hopped up from the bed, and I scrambled to a mirror where I finally saw it. I saw an older man with a grizzled beard and short hair. The age lines began to set in around the face, and as I reached up towards my face, so did he. Avery quickly ran to my side and had me sit down on the bed. I began hyperventilating and rapidly fired off question after question. It turns out we did spend three days on a small wine boat. She even showed me a picture that everyone took while we were there. Thirty-six people were in the photo. She said that we talked with the photographer to get a copy of the photo, and he made jokes that he overprepared. He joked that he prepared for at least 200 people. And then she said it. The reason I'm even talking to a doctor in the first place. She said this was seven... Years ago. I am the boss at my firm that I just got hired at, and I don't know how to do my job. I feel bad for saying this too, but I don't even know my wife anymore. She's not the person I loved. She's a control freak now, and I uh, and I icing on the cake, Doc. I have kids that I don't know. I have a ten-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter, and I don't know them. What happened to me?
0: Hmm, what do you think?
3: After I resist the urge to diagnose him? I can relate. At least how it ended. Waking up one day in the world isn't what you remember. Granted, uh, one could argue that Mr. Daly had it far worse than me. Any additional research attached?
0: Let me check. A pamphlet and a printout of a website.
3: Let me see. As expected. An advertisement for a -a once-in-a-lifetime wine-tasting adventure. Hmm. The printout is similar. The main phrase that's repeated on the site is, let us take away your worries. This will change your life. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Hmm. I can see how people would be easily lured there. The price is astonishingly high, but even I have to admit this looks new, interesting, fun, and most importantly, relaxing. And here we are. Is this some sort of joke? Donahue, what is this? Home. This episode is a Dark Papers Entertainment production. Showrunners for this episode were Christopher George and Dalton Lewis. This episode's horror story was written by Dalton Lewis. The Outstory was written by Christopher George. Script editing was done by Dalton Lewis. Dr. Charles Talbot was voiced by Christopher George. Lucian Donahue was voiced by Dakota Hamlin. H. Gray was voiced by Michael Williams. Eli was voiced by Dalton Lewis. Greg was voiced by Kevin Ledzinski. Chris here. A quick announcement to help celebrate the launch of h Gray Investigations, we are currently having a limited-time, free 7-day trial on our Patreon. Click on the link in the show notes and enjoy the rewards we have to offer. We hope to see you there, and while you're clicking buttons, give us stars, thumbs-ups, reviews, and all of that jazz. That helps us reach a wider audience. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane.